Hello, this is I Hear I See Radio. My name is Justin Comer. This is the 116th episode that I've recorded. Uh, we may release them out of order, though, because we may be delaying this one's release to coincide with the release of something else. But I Hear I See Radio is a show about mostly local music in Iowa City. Uh, it's got radio in the name because it used to be on the radio, and maybe someday it will be on the radio again. But for now, it's just online, recorded from my house, recorded from other people's houses when they come on the show and talk to me. Speaking of other people, though, let's let's just <laughs> get straight to the introduction. I'm going to read a little uh, bio here for you, and then I'll say hello. Eric Whitaker has written and performed music in many Iowa bands, including the Old Scratch Revival Singers, Peanut Ricky, Gimpy, and Los Voltage. I'll Remember You This Way is his first release as a solo artist. Eric's sound is influenced by Roy Orbison, Julie Cruz, Scott Walker, PJ Harvey, and Bauhaus, resulting in reverb-drenched Americana ballads filtered through the coldness of post-punk. Welcome to my program, Eric Whitaker. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, pretty well. To hear that um, read out loud, it, it's very long-winded. Oh, it's. <laughs> I think it's fairly brief. <laughs> I could just say, I try to sound like Twin Peaks. That's, that's yeah. the truth of the matter. Yeah, well, you've got Julie Cruz's name in there, so. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> It's not hidden, just buried. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's not the only thing you say about yourself. Right. <laughs> I sound like Julie Cruz, but a dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, also, I, I wanted to mention this. Eric is a veteran of the I Hear I See concert series. I believe yeah. he played solo in August of 2017, and yeah. then... With the demon possessed trio, I think that was December 2018. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Similar ish things on my part. Um, just twang, <laughs> guitar, guitar twang. That's that's my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Although I think the second time you also had your uh, Penderecki machine. Oh which yeah, I, right. I think is what you called that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A uh, uh, noise box. Yeah terrible noise box yeah uh is the the object itself terrible or was the noise that it creates terrible <laughs> yeah no the noise that it creates is terrible <laughs> yes well the object's not unterrible it's a box with a bunch of stuff nailed to it um yeah it's not pretty by any means <laughs> so. i assume you still have it right <clears throat> i do it gets very little use it's like if I'm working on something and I'm and I'm like, okay, this is pretty good, but I want it to make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and make you not want to listen anymore. Right. Then I'll dig it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. When you just need a little extra punch, that's when the yeah. box comes out. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um since it was in your bio and it's mm -hmm. one of the things we wanted to touch on tonight, uh, let's talk about your album, which was released okay. uh November, right? Yeah, that's right. I've got a cassette copy right here. Oh, nice. For the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and speaking of viewers, um, I, I do record the video of these conversations. So if if you're not on the I Hear I See Patreon, you can go there and you can see the video. And then you'll get the extremely important visual aspect of me showing <laughs> the cassette to the camera with a really it's, bad yeah. reflection of my computer monitor. <laughs> if you've ever seen me, just imagine me holding a guitar. Yeah. Um, that's, that's it. <laughs> it is a very... Uh, yeah, it's a very simple but like elegant uh album cover, I think. Yeah. The... Well it's it's stolen from Roy Orbison. Sure. So <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's just a classic Roy Orbison photo. Um and instead I'm I'm wearing a mask because it's it was twenty twenty and that's how things are. So. Yeah. When did you record this? Um Yeah, pretty much um it took about six months. Um, and it was during the pandemic. Um, I, well, Justin and I met at a job. <clears throat> I don't know yeah. if we want to get into all that, but <laughs> I quit that job. And oh, I good. Started... I don't think I knew that you had quit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I quit right at spring break of last year. And so I started working for the, um, uh, school district. Mm-hmm. So because of how things were sort of on again, off again, and things like that, I had a chunk of time to work on this. And so um, it was kind of nice. I I think that's one of the reasons it took me, you know, uh, 30 years to put out a solo album. <laughs> it's like I just didn't have a lot of time to dig in and, and stay, to stay in that moment long enough to sort of put something out and work on it. If that makes any sense, that does make sense. Like, yeah. I mean, you've you've been a very active um, <clears throat> performer, and you've recorded a lot of stuff with other people. But yeah, uh, yeah, you didn't you didn't have the luxury of time to be focused on like right. a, a one one cohesive piece that's yeah. you know coming from your brain. And I was also just scared. Honestly, okay. it's like it's uh it's it's still strange to see anything with just my name on it. It's like pretty disturbing. I don't like it at all. (laughs) I'm not used to it. Like even in other bands, I've used aliases and different names and things because it's like just something about my name, not my name in particular, but just the idea of just my name on something is, I don't know, pretty terrifying to me. I don't know. Mm. And I you know, a lot of people do a solo thing, but then they use a moniker or whatever. And I thought about that, but then I thought it was sort of not dishonest or anything like that, but inauthentic. But now looking back, I don't know, because I don't know how you do any sort of merchandising or marketing. Like no one's going to wear a shirt that just says my name on it. You know? <laughs> well, you <laughs> or don't put a sticker on their car that just says <laughs> Eric Whitaker. That's so dumb. You don't know that for <laughs> sure. I I guess that's tr- I wouldn't wear a shirt that just said my name on it and it's my name. Yeah. So. Well, I mean that has that might be weirder if it's your own. Right. Name. <laughs> that's true. Then it seems more like like a work uniform. <laughs> your full name. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> so. 
And uh, for I, I know that a lot of people who may listen to this are probably familiar with uh, Eric Whitaker, the like contemporary <laughs> choral composer. So right. uh, just to eliminate any confusion, uh, the, <laughs> the Eric that I'm speaking to, his last name is spelled W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E-R. It's a yeah. different Whitaker. Are you ever confused for the more famous <laughs> Eric Whitaker? <laughs> no, although I did seriously consider calling this project the other Eric Whitaker. <laughs> but then I knew for a fact people would go look up his stuff. Like they would be, even if they found me, they would say, well, who's the real Eric Whitaker? Right. This is um, not the so. the prime <laughs> Eric Whitaker. This is <laughs> right. some secondary. But yeah. actually the place that we used to work at um, was pretty much the only time that came up. Okay. Um, I don't, because a lot of people that work there are were music students right. and or are music students. And so they know about the other Eric Whitaker. I mean, the real Eric Whitaker. <laughs> and so, but other jobs I've had, like work in construction, no one, you know. A lot of them, no yeah, one they, knows they the, weren't really. The, the choral composer, <laughs> Eric Whitaker, you know. So, like, it, it's only within the last, yeah, few years when I was at a more music-oriented occupation so Mm -hmm. yeah were you familiar with the more famous eric whitaker prior to that job no okay no i wasn't yeah it wasn't until people started to come in and like literally laugh at my name (laughs) and just be like eric whitaker oh my god that's hilarious and i'd be (laughs) like no context (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so after a little while i figured it out and wasn't you know hurt emotionally biased they didn't explain or were you like too no they just walked away too nervous to ask them (laughs) i was just like yeah i guess whatever (laughs) yeah names are weird yeah names are (laughs) it is weird you know like it has a lot it has a lot of consonants in it i guess that's pretty funny i don't know have you ever like looked in the mirror and said your own name to yourself (laughs) it is pretty weird it is hilarious actually yeah i get it Um, yeah, all right. So this album, it's called I'll Remember You This Way. Is that uh, just a vague phrase, or is that actually directed at somebody? Uh, well, uh, hmm, that's a tough one. Well, actually, it's not super tough. There's um, the song Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. Right. And there's <clears throat> sort of a break where um, the immortal Jeff Lynn says... Uh, Something about death is over your has his hand upon your shoulder, and he says, "Never mind, I'll remember you this way." Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, for years, well, it's probably depression or something. <laughs> for years, and I heard that song right at that moment, it made me cry, like almost every time. Wow! And so I just thought that's a nice phrase, and also, uh, yeah, my friend Sean. Jones, probably, I mean, yeah, he was my best friend. He passed away a couple of years ago. And so um, this was sort of a response to that. I wouldn't say it's like a a memorial or a concept or anything like that. It's sure. not directly related. But sort of the mood of the recording, I think, has a certain element of sadness and isolation and loss to the whole thing. Um and so I think that played into it, but also the fact that the songs were written and recorded during a pandemic when a lot of people 
were very sick and dying. Mm -hmm. I think that, and just the state of the world, it seemed like a lot of people were passing away. And so it started to become a little more like, I don't know how to say it, meaningful to in a lot of different ways. Everything sort of came together. Because like, honestly, if you haven't lost someone in the last year, year and a half, like you're pretty lucky. Yeah. Like it's been a rough time for yeah. a lot of people. So I think that all sort of played into the the title. It was just kind of like, <clears throat> you know, there's an element of loss, not only in my personal life, during this moment, but to the world in this moment. And so, and, you know, just remembering the way things were before, and it works on a lot of different levels. And so when it entered my head, I was just like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to use that phrase. So Yeah. And, yeah. and those of us who have not been sick or dying, like it's, we've all been pretty isolated anyway, at least yeah, we should be, but <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been If you're doing it right, you're miserable. <laughs> yeah. So good job. <laughs> I don't think the mic is picking it up, but Weasel was snoring, so I I was going to wake her up, but she woke up on her own. <laughs> it's a good indicator that I've gone on a little too long. <laughs> no, no, she's I mean, she sleeps. If you put a cat to sleep, damn. Well, it's actually it's pretty easy. She's sleeping pretty much all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's another little bonus nice. for anyone who's viewing the video version of this is that I've got a cat sleeping over my shoulder in the background. And she is cute. Yeah, she's adorable. So she's subscribed. <laughs> curled up on the blanket, sitting in my wife's office chair. It's like she passed out at her desk. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah, you mentioned uh Sean who he was one uh-huh. of the trio that played for I Hear I See. Yeah, yeah I I, yep. I didn't That's know right. Sean well, but I had yep. met him. Uh, I I believe yeah. twice. Uh, and yeah, you did in the the notes here on the album. You've got a big yeah. for Sean right there, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have much else to say. You know. Yeah, I mean, I the songs really are fairly straightforward in terms of like lyrical content. Like you you don't really have to explain it other than just listen to the song. Yeah. Yeah. And th- yeah, the funny thing about that is, um, I hate how much of an influence David Lynch is on me. Like <laughs> I feel really lame about it, but <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, but one thing I really like about his stuff is, is if, if, well, if you don't mind, I'll tell just a tiny story. I saw the movie. Yeah, feel free um, to say whatever you want. We don't need to structure yeah, this okay. in any. I saw the movie. <laughs> don't um, feel boxed in. Inland Empire. <laughs> Inland Empire at the Bijou when it came out with Sean, actually. Mm-hmm. But so we're about three quarters of the way through the movie. And I hear behind me what I assume would be the funniest thing you could ever hear someone say at a David Lynch movie. The The, the guy behind me says, man, I just don't understand what's <laughs> happening right now. But then the guy he's with says, I'll explain it to you later, oh. <laughs> which is even funnier. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but so with my songs, it's like, I don't think you have to dig around for a meaning necessarily, but I can tell you right now there is no meaning. So like, don't even worry about it. Just you know, let the words kind of wash over you because... Yeah, I'm not, there's no narrative. It's like a dream logic kind of sure, yeah. situation. You find yourself, like film noir, it's like you find yourself in a moment 
and you explain the moment that you're in, and then that's the song. It's like there's not a lot of hidden meaning because there's no meaning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. If if there's a moment where you feel like you're not getting something, it's just like, well, yeah. what's it sound like, <laughs> and how do you feel now? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the extent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that there is, is one song that leans towards a narrative, and it seems that it might be about cheating or yes, having yes. a partner cheat on you or something. But in reality, that was more about, um, I don't know if I want to give away all my secrets, but <laughs> it was actually sort of about like if you were in a relationship with like a killer or or something like that. Oh wow! Like and that's originally don't, that's yeah, um, uh, don't be honest. Don't be honest. Yeah, yeah. and. So that was sort of the idea was like, if you discovered the person that you loved was just a monster in some way, like, how would that feel? And what would you have to say about it? So um, I think that's the only song that really someone could be like, I think this is about something. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, I thought it was just kind of a cheating song. And then yeah, that's how it comes across anyway, to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I assumed it was fictional and not autobiographical yeah yeah when i wrote that my wife was like oh my god everyone's gonna think i'm a big slut or something and i was like well no people write from a character's point of view all the time yeah and i usually don't but that's okay right that's (laughs) another kind of uh complication of releasing art under your own name is Right. If it's if it's you singing, like they may assume this is something that actually yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. Written and recorded by this dude <laughs> whose wife cheats on him <laughs> currently. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not really a past tense sort of song. No. So right. but no, I it was more written from yeah, that sort of perspective of wow, what if my partner were a monster? What would I do about that? You know? <laughs> Yeah, there's that one, and then the one before it, uh, out there. That's the one where I, yeah. I really feel the, like, current events, isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that one, I mean, it could definitely be about sort of a pandemic sort of feeling, but it also could be very much like an agoraphobic kind of feeling or mm-hmm. um, depression or whatever, something that keeps you inside. Yeah. You know, and it might not even be physically inside, you know, it could be mentally, you know, all that stuff, (laughs) all that (laughs) metaphorical, philosophical nonsense (laughs) that artists like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish I could breathe the air out there, I think is part of it. Yeah. 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 That that's, I'm sure that had to do with the reality of our world (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, it can't be yeah. avoided. I mean, it's the only thing. It's been, it's been the overwhelming like subject of our entire lives for very close to a year now. It's hard yeah, for that not or, to be and, part of the discussion. And I thought you were just going to stop with our entire lives, which I also <laughs> would have agreed with. It's like I think people go through life. I, I know I have and do thinking. There's something big coming. Like, I don't know what it is, but I know that this isn't it. And I feel like there's something. We're on the cusp of something. And I think people feel that way their whole lives. And this is the first time in my life where I was like, oh, snap. 
it really happened. This is the <laughs> like, thing that I've it, been anticipating. It is the thing, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it's really a big deal. And that's pretty wild um, that we've lived. I mean, hopefully we've lived through uh, <laughs> this thing that literally changed every aspect of our lives. I don't think we could have expected that. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Something I've been thinking about recently, though, is uh, the... The extent to which it hasn't, or like, what about our lives? Hasn't it actually changed? And there's right. this kind of like uh, inertia from just like the status quo from February 2020 that's just so persistent in in the way that like our <laughs> civilization is oriented, where like people still have to have jobs. <laughs> You know, like (laughs) this should have actually affected our lives more (laughs) than it did. I I agree. I agree (laughs) with that. Yeah. And I think if it were left up to us, the people living through it, I mean, everyone's living through it. I don't want to go full on anarchist here, but (laughs) the, the people with the boots on the ground, they aren't, they probably would have made different decisions. A lot of, a lot of people would have, you know, like I know that if I would have still been working at the place we used to work at, I wouldn't have. I would have left. I wouldn't have been able to do that that job working with the public. I, yeah. <clears throat> I would have been too afraid. And so... So you you quit before, you know, like, the, the right, real shit right started. Be- the day before. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was literally, like, um, right at spring break, my wife and I were planning on going to um, Joshua Tree. And we actually canceled our um, travel plans that day. We were going to leave Friday night, and we canceled like Friday morning. Yeah. So it was it pretty sudden. But I had left my job on the the day before that. So wow, pretty good timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was thinking like, I, so I quit that job like uh, probably ten months or so before the uh, yeah everyone had to change their behavior. Uh, and right. <laughs> yeah, towards the beginning of the pandemic, I was thinking, man, I am so glad that I didn't have that job when this started. <laughs> right. Yeah. And since we're being all, you know, pretty shielded about it, we can, <laughs> we can talk about it. I, I don't think they were very considerate actually from what I've heard from right. the people that we still knew there that they didn't take a lot of precautions or safety, um, action so uh, yeah i wouldn't have been able to handle it it would have i would have been like three days in and been like no i gotta go (laughs) forget it yeah 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 fortunately i mean i wasn't uh dealing with the public every day like you were but i still would have had to come and sit at a desk in a basement with uh poor ventilation (laughs) and a lot of coughing and heavy breathing (laughs) yeah i mean we didn't uh, we weren't taking like great care of ourselves before. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. As a group, yeah, <laughs> fairly unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Anyone who worked with us is going to get a kick out of all this. Everyone else will be like, yeah, who cares? I, I mean, it about? seems like since I left, the the number of people who worked with both of us has. And yeah. and still work in that place has uh, yeah. been dropping off. <laughs> oh yeah, as far as I know, there aren't any cool people left. 
rude. Yeah. No. There might be cool people that have started. Not I'm all sure. the cool people we knew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most, yeah, like, <laughs> as, of, as of like two weeks ago, I think there were a couple people still that I... Right. I had, you know, some sort of relationship with outside of work and they have left mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I think some of the people that I, I got along with, but they were more like, you know, coworker relationships are right. still there, but I haven't yeah. spoken to them recently. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you when we started talking about the album, you said yeah. uh like if you haven't lost somebody in the past year. Uh, you're very lucky. Yeah. And you released this on November 18th, according to the Bandcamp page. Yeah, and that's right. And my friend Hannah uh, took her own life uh, mm-hmm. eight days prior to that. Oh, wow. So yeah. you released this, and I saw that it was like it for Sean. And, yeah. and the music is very somber and uh here i'll i'll use the tags here uh somber and uh, dark and dreamy <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is yeah and i yeah. i listened to it i think the day that you released it and i was like wow this is like exactly how my spirit feels now and i yeah. I, I forget the phrase that i i used when i messaged you about it oh right yeah, it was very good. I I, it was one of my favorite things anyone has said about it, actually. I think I just called it beautifully sad. Yeah. Yeah, we actually had a really nice conversation on Messenger that day. I'm looking through it right now. It went on for a while. That, that, was, cool. <laughs> that was, you know, I <laughs> I mean, I'm still dealing with it because it's right. the, probably the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> and yeah. Like I think about it every day still, but yeah. in that like the month after it happened, like those few weeks, I was like a different person. Like I'm, yeah. I'm usually pretty, like I keep my true emotions kind of mm-hmm. numbed, like <laughs> held inside. For sure. But for that month, I was like, yeah. I have no guard anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> none of my, none of my usual. uh self-imposed like composure like i don't have the strength for it right now yeah yeah those those sort of like um i don't know i don't want to call them defense mechanisms because defense technically means like a response these are more like um force fields or guards (laughs) fences walls that we put up right you know Mm -hmm. and i think that I think that as I've gotten older and have lost more and more people, but also befriended more and more people, like I, I used to be guarded and I used to hide everything through um, humor and being offensive. (laughs) Like those were my two modes. And actually they were the same mode. Sure. Um, (laughs) And now it's like, I just, it's, I just wear it on my sleeve all the time to the point of making people uncomfortable. <laughs> like I just, I am just open all the time. Like if, if a stranger came up to me and said, Hey, do you have a moment to talk about 
working your way through the loss of a friend, I'd be like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. And it's like, because I just, I don't know. I've started to realize that if that does make someone uncomfortable, then we don't have anywhere to go anyway. Because we would probably end up there at some point if we were friends, right? You know, having a real conversation. Yeah. And if they can't handle it, then... Like, why even explore it? <laughs> you know, like, let's just cut to the chase. Yeah, that makes and I think, sense. I think a lot of that kind of comes from maybe playing out and spending some time on the road or whatever. You you make like one night friends, you know? You're in a new place. Okay, yeah. So you got to you you get to it right away. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, this person's letting me stay, letting us all sleep on their floor, like, I don't know why we wouldn't stay up till two in the morning drinking and, and talking about real life and we'll never see each other again, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of awesome. And to be quite honest, I don't have any specific memories of that. It was just every (laughs) night because, you know, I mean, I remember a few people or whatever, (laughs) but it's like fast friends. I, I really enjoy that. I love being like, just if we meet, we start talking, I'll talk the whole night and I'll talk about anything you want. Cause I don't know why exactly. It's just like, I spent a lot of time being guarded Mm -hmm. and it didn't get me anywhere. It didn't advance me as a person or my relationships or, or any element of life holding back, you know? Yeah. It's like, why didn't I just put it all out there? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but yeah, I mean, Hannah's suicide really did chip away at a lot of the, uh, like, what I've been holding back, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a, a personable person and I, I enjoy mm-hmm. like making friends and having conversations with people. But I also, I tend to keep part of myself to myself. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, I, <laughs> my friend is gone forever and that could happen mm-hmm. with anyone that I know. So like yeah. why why keep stuff away from these people who I may never see For again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's and I know from experience, it's a lot easier to look back on on someone that you've lost a relationship that you've lost even um and know that you left it all on the table. That there was literally nothing else you could say that if you even had I'll, I'll i'll tell you a little story this this is extremely sad i guess yeah. but i find it extremely funny too <laughs> um sean was in hospice and um unbeknownst to me it was the last time we were gonna talk mm-hmm. and uh so we were hanging out and his wife had just shown up and i was just gonna give them some time you know and but before she got there, he had gotten a morphine injection or shot or however that works. And um, I was like, well, dude, I better get going or whatever. And I'll talk to you later or whatever. And he was like, oh, I'll just hang out a little bit longer. The morphine's about to kick in and that'll be awesome. <laughs> and I was like, listen, dude, I literally don't need to sit around talking to you on drugs any more than I have in my <laughs> life already. <laughs> You know, 
And he was like, yeah, I guess. So <laughs> said goodbye. But it was just one of those moments where it was like, we're, I, we don't have a lot else to say. And, you know, and that's, that's a good I mean, it's an amazing feeling. It's the best feeling you could have is to walk away and just be like, yeah, over and out, you know, like, and I hope that everyone gets to experience that. And I think that when you do start to open up and be honest with people and tell your friends you love them and and give them a hug every time you see them, I mean, post-COVID, of course. <laughs> Like, then you will have that experience. When when the, the unthinkably bad happens, you'll have that good element to it. Yeah, fewer yeah. regrets, things that you wish you had yeah. done or said. Yeah. It's hard to avoid uh, feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let's, let's move on to something a little less uh, heavy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, it's not my music, right? Because it's all like this. <laughs> this is what it does. Yeah. Um. So you and I had been uh, discussing recording a podcast together for, I think, about two months before we finally actually did this. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, the impetus for, you know, actually sitting down and recording this was that you had just filmed something for the Englert, correct? Yes. Yeah. And actually, they... um. They put it out on Facebook today, so I, I guess I can actually talk about it, mm-hmm. and we can release this whenever. Okay. Um, it's one of the first times I've ever had a contract, and I mean, it might have, it might be the first time I've had a contract associated <laughs> with music yeah. that I've read. Um, I <laughs> made some bad choices in the past as far as records and things like that, but um, interesting. I may have to follow yeah. up on that. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the Ingler, I did a thing called stages. Um, they asked me, I assume that, um, Gabby Vanek being like a producer, maybe had something to do with that or Chris Wersema mm-hmm. kind of setting up some of it. I probably had something to do with it. I, I know both of them and they're both wonderful people. Yep. Agreed. When I was first contacted, I was like, oh, why me? Like, <laughs> So I assume one of those guys kind of pushed for it. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was a cool experience. I've never played at the Ingler, and I've still never played it in front of any sure. people at the Ingler. <laughs> um, I would love to go back anytime they need um, the entire audience to fall asleep and or cry or cry themselves to sleep. Mm-hmm. They could um, give me a call. Uh, <laughs> I imagine was, your like big yeah. reverb twangy stuff would sound really good in that big empty room. <laughs> it it sounded okay to me. I don't I don't know it. It was strange because yeah, I, I, it was um, three people, two people producing, and one person like videoing or um, taking photos. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I do when I when I play is like I really let things drop down to basically silence and i really enjoy it it's like my favorite thing to do is like let things just set and rest for a second and if like there's somewhat almost like acapella moments because like 
when everything else drops, whoops, everything else drops away. <laughs> uh, it's, I just love that. I just think it's something that you don't get to experience in live music and especially in noise um, based music, which even though the stuff on my record is not like that, mm-hmm. I would say it's very much like fifties um, ballads, you know, I don't know how else to put it. Um, yeah. There's it's, you know, Roy Orbison sounds like kind of yeah. country music sometimes. Right. Yeah. And so, but uh, most of the time I, well, not most of the time, but a lot of times I do things that are really more noise based, right. or at least there's an element of that where there's literally no silence ever. Right. Like, if there was silence, people would be like, oh, you're the worst noise artist I've ever heard. <laughs> or you know? the set's over. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> That's how you know uh, that you hit your big crescendo. <laughs> I, I love noise, and I love noise shows, but the um, the arc that every noise show follows is hilarious to me. <laughs> like, just the starting with silence, slowly building until it's unlistenable, power violence, and that it goes back down to silence it's just it's it's awesome i i mean i'm not making fun of anyone because i do the same thing but it's like yeah we've talked about this it's, before. it's, it's like, kind of fun we, we both do this but it also is funny that like a lot yeah. of the stuff that we've done somebody with like no experience right no, yeah, no totally. skills could also do <laughs> they could literally get a terrible sound on their synthesizer open up the filter at, at the slowest pace they possibly could for 45 minutes and then close that filter again. And that's a noise performance. Right. So it's not like meaningfully, you know. <laughs> it doesn't sound that much different than someone who's like really thinking about this and putting like years of <laughs> experience into it <laughs> and could explain it all theoretically and, and um, yeah, all the choices they made. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So my, one of my favorite things is to let uh, things drop down to, silence and so when i got done uh they were like hey nice job or whatever and i said that had to have been the most boring one you've had so far (laughs) and they could sort of laughed and i was like yeah it's it's basically just watching a guy try to be quiet like that's (laughs) not very exciting so i'm really selling the performance right now um but no it's it's it is it's a funny way to 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 um try to accomplish something which is like restraint is the main motivation like that doesn't people don't do that and i think i only do it because i'm afraid to really go for it (laughs) it's like well if you can't belt it out you might as well rein it in Mm -hmm. i don't know it's kind of i'm it's like an inverse of what we were talking about in terms of like our emotions and relationships with people right yeah it is (laughs) yeah i'm highly guarded on stage (laughs) that's where i get to um keep it all inside and not share it all <laughs> the moments when i'm performing in front of people. right <laughs> that's when i'm most introverted yeah that, it's actually true i've never thought of that that's, that's hilarious <laughs> well they announced today that uh, this is going to be released on wednesday march 10th so you've got yeah. a few weeks for that i don't really understand how the the ticket thing works uh it's confusing on there i don't know for sure either because i think it says free the face but then when you click it's not the facebook event says it's free (laughs) but yeah uh, you can also i think they're they're doing like a sliding scale thing maybe okay but uh 
I also know it's like sort of a subscription you can get too, which is cool. Like you'd buy the whole series. Yeah, because this is part of a series of videos. They, they've also mm-hmm. announced uh, my friends uh, Jean-Francois Charles and Rami and Rochandel. They've got one coming out tomorrow. Right. That was one of the first ones, right? I think there was one released last week too. I, I don't remember who it was. I, I think they've started releasing them, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. cool. There's yeah, it's really a cool thing. I, I, I love Iowa City, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> as <laughs> as an old townie, yeah. I am, I, I'm well past the um, the the honeymoon period where you come to Iowa City and you're like, wow, they really do have a lot going on. I'm well past that, <laughs> and I still am constantly excited about things happening even though things can't physically happen anymore not, not still, much has happened for a while yeah but, uh. it's still <laughs> there's still ways to um to see artists in your community though and i think that's super cool i think people have found a lot of fun ways to to make it happen so yeah there yeah. Yeah, we're working around it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I should mention uh, Penny Peach has one of these stages videos mm-hmm. coming out March 31st. Uh, nice. Previous guest on this program. So she yeah. gets the special plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you are an old townie. And I, yeah. I often ask people when I talk to them on here about like their earlier experiences like when they started making music Mm. or art or whatever i I know that you're older than me i I don't usually ask Mm -hmm. people their ages so i don't know how much older you are than me (laughs) well how old are you (laughs) we'll start there (laughs) i turned 30 in september okay so i'm only um uh one and a half times your age (laughs) got it got it (laughs) no i'm 44 okay so yep okay um when you say you're an old townie, how long have you yeah. actually been here? I've, well, yeah, I've, let's see. I, I've left for a couple of years at a time, uh, a couple of times. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly in Iowa City since 2000. Okay, so yeah, I'd say that you've, a while. you've definitely if there was a honeymoon period you've probably yeah right yeah. gone past it that would be a very long honeymoon. there was about there was about 3 years where i left to live in denver iowa um denver iowa where is that yeah it's by waverly i'll okay. just keep saying smaller and smaller towns <laughs> in iowa i do know waverly <laughs> oh, it's right over there by shell rock you know? um, <laughs> yeah no it's in that general area so um <clears throat> but that was to play with uh a band called the heart attacks and then ultimately the old scratch revival singers got it started there so yeah and then after we left the farmhouse we lived in i came back here and so except for those like three years um yeah i've been here for about 21 years nice quite a long time yeah i've i've been here about eight and a half years if i'm doing the math in my head correctly so i'm well, age-wise, that that's probably about the same percentage of life. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> sure, I don't know how to do math, but it seems right, you know, if you just sure. make the comparison and <laughs> right. judge quickly. I think, yeah, yeah, we're making a point here for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> and 
uh, I guess like this. <clears throat> when did you start playing guitar, or like what did you play first? When did you first get into uh, music? Guitar. Uh, yeah. I was about thirteen. Uh, I lived in Muscatine, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a smaller town. I mean, smaller than Iowa City. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, I played a lot of music during that time, and it was a time when a lot of people didn't play music. So I pretty much started setting up shows, which is something people really hadn't done, and started kind of doing a DIY thing in my town, which nice. was sort of a new thing. Um, this this would have been like late 80s, right? It would have been early 90s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But when I started playing shows and things like right, that. sure. But because I was setting everything up, uh, my band always got to play, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's something that I've figured out. Saw me. <laughs> in the past few years. Right. <laughs> yeah, if you set up the shows, you get to play. I can play if I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so left Muscatine, played in a band called Gimpy with Sean, another guy named Jeff, uh, in Waterloo when we went to school there. That was sort of a new wave cars slash Devo kind of thing. Nice. Um, that went on for quite a while. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and that actually continued into Iowa City. So that was about 2000 when we first moved here. That was the band I was playing in. Um, since then, I've just, yeah, I've had a few different bands with varying levels of success. And so, yeah. Uh, before everything changed, before the pandemic, I was playing with, I think, four different bands. And so that's pretty cool. I, I was having a blast. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember, uh, actually, this is like very like different from the music we've been discussing so far, but I think the first time I saw you perform at all was with uh, In the Mouth of Radness. Yeah. <laughs> in like 2016. Yeah. Like spring 2016, that? I think. Was that in the like a basement? Yeah, show? that was at. Uh, they called it the Governor's Mansion. I don't know right, if that's right. still a house venue or not. Oh but. man, I had mono. <laughs> I had mono that day. Oh right, you had been uh, yeah. touring with those guys like the. Yeah, it was like a mi- like a three day right. tour, and, and um, you got sick. I played the first show, and I drank back then. I mean, not only did I drink back then, I really drank <laughs> back then, and so I thought I was just sick from smoking and drinking and and being up all night for three days but no i had i had mono actually so you got to see me perform with mono yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool and you were playing metal which <laughs> yeah, like thrash yeah most of what i've basically. seen you play is also is very like slow you know <laughs> yeah yeah i here's yeah i mean but anyone that knows me knows that i live in a hyperbolic universe everything is extreme ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. like it's either going to be outrageously slow or it's going to be outrageously fast or it's going to be super quiet or it's going to be super loud like i don't spend a lot of time like thinking oh i just wrote a nice song that people are going to enjoy like hell no like (laughs) what's the point there's so much nice music out there like you know, not to say that like the songs on my new on my record aren't nice. They are, but it's not. It's not just straight palatable music. I don't think. I think that it's somewhat interesting. I think that people. I don't. I don't know. People with more average 
regular taste. I don't want to sound like an elitist. <laughs> well, maybe I do. I don't care. Uh, they might say, whoa, why is there, why are there robot voices on this chorus of this song? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I do think, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty accessible collection of music, but it yeah. also like, I, there are moments where I'm like, oh, okay, he is like getting to do some of the fun stuff that he likes (laughs) occasionally in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to uh, be drawn to the same kind of thing. Like there's already so much music. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to probably ever create something that's like as attractive and beautiful to someone as like, uh, I, I don't even know what to, say like (laughs) you know there's so much of that music out there that's like this is my favorite song it makes me weep like uh the uh elo thing we were talking about earlier yeah yeah like (laughs) i mean mr blue sky is just i mean come on it's almost it's almost like a satire of perfection (laughs) you know it's just so good every second that goes by you're like come on are you serious it's so amazing i love yellow one of those (laughs) one of those songs for me like it's i i don't think it's really at the level of elo but it's uh dream weaver like (laughs) just the if you like turn that up really loud on your car speakers like that is a transcendent song (laughs) it's pretty sick and it it's such clean production it is reminiscent of i think uh jeff lynn's production yeah like it's it's one of those things where you're like did they record every note individually? You know, it's like, it's just so crisp and so uh, purposeful. I mean, there's every sound in there was made for you to hear it mm-hmm. and, and be like, whoa, cool sound. You know? Right. So I love that song too. Especially the really outrageously weird intro. It's, yeah. it's too good. <laughs> so I don't think I'm ever probably going to create anything that has that kind of effect on somebody. So I tend to like want to do like I just want to make something that like I've never heard before and that mm-hmm. someone's going to hear that and be like, "Oh, what's that?" Right. And even if it's like they don't like it and they think it's disgusting, it's like, "Well, they <laughs> <laughs> they've experienced something new." <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. And for me, it's not necessarily like sounds I don't think people have ever heard even though that is something that I I love to think about, especially with like the modular synth. Um, I I love the aspect of that where it's like, I know for a fact no one has ever heard this sound before. Right. Like they can't, they, it's impossible that anyone's ever heard this before. Mm-hmm. And then you just rip all the wires out and it's gone forever. It's, it's the sweetest. <laughs> no one will hear it again. <laughs> yeah. No one but you but, heard that. That's kind of right, like incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is. Um but at the the same time, for me, it's more like mixing um, mixing things together. Like I had a group called Los Voltage that was mm-hmm. like, um, at its core, it was very much just like Black Flag, Bad Brains era, 80s hardcore stuff. Yeah. But um, we, we really never decided to do this. It just happened. But it also became really psychedelic. So it'd have these long um spanning sort of moments that were just like trails of delay and (laughs) timing that was off and strange and like for us it was like hilarious like we'd be at practice and just be like 
okay, let's do that part three times and then one time and then six times and then go back to that (laughs) other part for one time. And it was just like math. It was like, how (laughs) stupid can we make this? But the result was so disorienting that um, people are like, I've never heard anything like that. And that's pretty amazing because all the elements were right there. We weren't, they weren't um, hidden in any way. It was like, well, this is exactly what we're doing. Like, it's more about the order that you did them in, and like, right, yeah, yeah. and just different elements coming together is. I mean, that's all any of our favorite bands have ever done. Is like, I like this element, and I like this element of this band, and I like this idea from this band, and I like this aesthetic from this band. Bring them all together and. Now it's something where people are like, "Oh my God, I've never heard, <laughs> I've never heard or seen anything like that." And it's like, "No, you really, you have actually." <laughs> yeah, it just I can wasn't tell you all of them. filtered through <laughs> this specific group of people. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you, uh, you know, Naked City, the John Zorn oh, yeah. band? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's that's the way you were describing that. It reminds me of like the early Naked City records, which are oh, just I like, love the, the ex- first Naked like, City, like really fast switching between different genre tropes. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, I I really enjoyed that one. I I like it when Zorn um has some parameters <laughs> or at least some ideas of a goal that's being accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't mind it when he's meandering and just doing more noise and things like that, but with a group of people who are like-minded with a goal, I think he really shines. And yeah. I, th- I think everyone in that group shines. So it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's I like I haven't listened that extensively to like all of John Zorn's career, but mm. what I've heard, like Naked City is definitely what I'm most attracted to. Like it's Yeah. I I've never yeah, like I've never heard anything like that first album, but I have. Like in the same way as For what sure. you were just describing is like mm-hmm. I've heard all these elements elsewhere. But just yeah. just the way that it's all like smashed together. Well, is and the other thing too is if someone really pulls it off, no one else gets to do it. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like Naked City's like, well, let's take spy music, um, avant-garde, classical, or and grindcore, and put those things together. And now all of a sudden, I mean, if someone else did it, you'd be like, you rip off. You <laughs> right. know? Like, and it's only an, Naked City gets to do that. And it's an Ornette <laughs> Coleman melody over all of that, too. <laughs> right. Have you heard the one, I think it's called Spy versus Spy, where it's or, two, It's the same piece played. Um, it has one backing track, but then Zorn does two takes and they're panned 100% <laughs> left and right. I, it's actually killer. I, don't I mean, it's know really cool. Have. It sounds terrible, but it's it's really good. So you should check that one out. Oh, it's a I whole album that like that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it's really something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the panning, that's kind of an Ornette Coleman thing too, like the mm-hmm. first Free Jazz album, which is just two bands <laughs> pan. Yeah. It's really something. Yeah. It's cool. Um, the one thing I will say about that place we worked at, um, a lot of the people there went to school for music and yeah. I did not. I I have wanted to pretty much my whole life, but mm. it just hasn't worked out that way. Um but what was cool was I would talk about kind of weird weird elements of music and then other people would be able to say, 
oh, that's just like uh, George Crumb or right. that's just like Ornette Coleman or something or whatever. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, snap, really? And then so I got to listen to all this um, more like avant-garde composition and experimental um, composition, which I always associated with noise and punk rock and things like that. And so to have people who were normal, I mean, they were, a lot of the people we worked with were very normal people telling me like, Oh, you should check this crazy shit out or whatever. And I would just, I ate it up. You know, I, I learned a lot about different weird composers and music. And I, I realized how much that fed into the things that I already listened to. And in that sense, that job was awesome because I got to talk to people that went to music school, which even just having an adjacency to it made a difference to me. So yeah. that was cool. I've had kind of the opposite trajectory where like I <laughs> I went to music school for uh, the first like six years that I was an adult. And then mm-hmm. in the years since then, I've, I've uh, actually like met people who play shows. <laughs> <laughs> instead of For just sure. like reading books and listening to CDs. Yeah. Well, it's funny when those things come together too. I, mm-hmm. I think it's very funny. I think that Iowa City's a perfect place for that to happen too. Yeah. Because, and that's, yeah. That's been the point of the I Hear I See series since mm-hmm. it began years before I lived here. It was like, uh-huh. we need to put these people in the same room. <laughs> right. Absolutely. For sure. Because I think. I think that both sides, I mean, if we have to have sides, which we do, <laughs> no, um, I think both sides feel inadequate and judged by the other side, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like you talk to any <laughs> punk and they're going to say, I mean, not any punk, but a punk that's interested in expanding their musical realms and knowledge and things, they're going to think oh i wish i knew more i wish i knew more theory i wish i had a way to express things that i want to express in a way that makes sense right and i think a lot of times people that have gone to school for music are like i have this foundation but i wish i could divorce myself from that knowledge a little bit and experiment a little bit and break away you know, kind of like Dada and art or whatever, like Mm -hmm. all those people knew how to paint. They were trained artists and they broke away from it. They deviated from it. And even though that's exciting, it doesn't make it outsider art. It's still a deviation from knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so you get all these weird sort of um, crossover moments where it's like, what are you doing? And one person will be able to say, I have no idea. <laughs> and the other person will be able to say, I can tell you exactly. I can what analyze I'm doing. it for you. And yeah. so, you know, it, but at the end of the day, the output is all that really actually matters. I've seen a lot of people with no knowledge get a lot of credit from very smart people in yeah. all in all of the arts. <laughs> and I've seen people that are geniuses get shot down yeah. by a scene or a community. So you know, it's, but I really do think uh, Iowa City is a perfect place for those kind of things to come together, that the self-taught and the highly educated, it's, yeah. it's, it's great for that. Yeah. And the, the way that I've sort of uh, 
seen it and the way that I've experienced it, like the, the years of study that I went through, like were very good for me. And I mm-hmm. learned a lot about how all this stuff works, but it also, uh, often kind of paralyzed me mm-hmm. because I always felt like, well, there's more that I should learn before I'm like really the master of this. Like I, sure. <laughs> I have to yeah. reach this height of like academic success before I mm-hmm. can really be considered like anyone important. And then I leave school and it's like, well, the people that are playing shows are just doing it. Like, right. They, <laughs> they don't they, know what the hell they're doing they have, at all. <laughs> yeah. They have like a kind of innate confidence a lot of the time. Right. If I'm seeing them play a show, like they have some confidence, obviously mm-hmm. they were able yeah. to get on that stage and like, just like chilling out, like loosening up has right. benefited me a lot, which I learned from people who like didn't go to school for six yeah. years. They just like wanted to, do this or express themselves this way and they just like talked to the people who could make that happen mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. which I, I i probably could have learned that in school too but i was <laughs> too timid i guess i i don't know i don't know it's hard it's like it, i mean that's a classic sort of artistic conundrum anyway is like you never know what your experiences have um have how they've affected what you do and mm-hmm. no one does and so it's like you don't necessarily know if i would have done this thing then this could have happened like right. you, you just have no idea and so it's better to just take it all as one lump sum at the end of the day and say what do i want to create yeah if i and then use and then use all of those tools from wherever you got (laughs) yeah if i fixate on all of those like what if what if what if if i get too in my head about that again i'm like paralyzed and i don't end up producing anything so i have to just trust whatever happens (laughs) for sure yeah yeah uh there was one more thing i wanted to talk to you about Mm -hmm. and we've been talking for about an hour which to me is (laughs) standard podcast length Right. But from look, be. <laughs> from looking at the subject we're about to discuss, it seems you've done <laughs> you've done some yeah. longer ones. Uh, yes, very longer. You've recently uh, been uh, yeah. doing a podcast uh, called Accelerative Thrust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My friend Dan, um, or he's also from Muscatine. He he started it, and honestly, he runs the show. I pretty much just show up and try to say funny things. Mm-hmm. And that's about the extent of it. But the idea has kind of crystallized into every week we talk about three records that we've been listening to that week. And we try to fit in um, maybe an Iowan artist, a local artist. Uh, we started out thinking more like Eastern Iowa because that's our stomping grounds. But mm-hmm. I think we would probably talk to anyone in Iowa or um, listen to anything from Iowa. Um, but yeah, so it's been really fun. It's been a learning experience for me. I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I've listened to yours a little, and I've listened to comedy bang, bang, and I've listened to, um, the new one about joy division, a new order. It's called transmissions. It's really good. Nice. Otherwise, I'm not a big podcast person. Sure. So when we started doing it, and I mean, those first episodes are seriously like two hours <laughs> long. It's ridiculous. 
I was just like, Dan, no one's going to listen to this. And as far as I know, no one does, but <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's cool because, uh, my Spotify wrapped or whatever that came out last year said that I listened to an average, I did the math. It would be an average of 17 minutes of music a day. Wow. That's not very much music. Yeah. Like I hardly listen to any music. I just listened to the first suicide record on repeat. That's the, <laughs> that's my whole life. I, and so, uh, it was a good way to get into more music. It's like now, not only do I have to find three records a week that I want to listen to, I have to listen to Dan's three records too. So like already that's, I don't, like I said, I can't do math, but a <laughs> lot more music, you know? And so that part of it's been really great. Uh, it's forced me to, to listen to things, which is important. I think it gets you excited to do your own things. Yeah, absolutely. Too, yeah, like you know? that's when I started doing the radio show, I became like more productive <laughs> just because mm-hmm. I had this thing I was doing once a week and I needed to like plan around it. Right. It really did help like to have something to do once a week. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love to my own devices. I uh I don't know. I watch horror movie reviews <laughs> on uh YouTube. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, I I Some tend Bob's to be burgers. I tend to be pretty slothful when I haven't like piled work on myself. Right? <laughs> For sure, but yeah, it's on. Uh, it's accelerative thrust. It's on Spotify, um, and there's a playlist that goes along with it. I I think it's cool because Dan and I come from really different worlds. Like to a lot of people, the music I listen to would, would be pretty pedestrian, but. Uh, to Dan, I think a lot of it's totally insane. And so it's it's kind of a nice combination. And he listens to the things that I would listen to the first 20 seconds and be like, eh, not for me. <laughs> but then, you know, I, you listen to the whole record and you're like, oh, wow, I'm glad that I got exposed to this. So I would say the stuff we listen to actually runs the gamut every week from 60s psych to doom metal to I guess they call it escape room. It was my number one uh, genre on Spotify, even though I don't know what it is. Escape room um, is the genre. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All here's everything I listen to for the most part has drippy. Okay, I'm not even going to go into this. Okay, it has like drippy synthesizer sounds, like harp plucks. Okay, okay, and it has like vocoders or like highly processed vocals. It's similar to like hip hop sometimes. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. Hmm. Um, there are numerous artists though. I would say rap wise, maybe like Young Lean is someone that is really cool musically, lyrically terrible. But um, <laughs> uh, and so yeah, so that's the kind of stuff I listen to. And I don't, I didn't think it was connected. It could even be like people. It could even be like like the Chromatics or something. Or, you know, they were on the Twin Peaks, The Return. They were That's how them. I know them, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And their producer, Johnny Jewell, he's kind of like, does things like that. So I just thought it was all unconnected, and I was a genius for figuring out that all of this stuff sounded the same. Mm-hmm. And then Spotify's like, your favorite genre is Escape Room. I was like, that seems impossible, <laughs> because I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like... If someone just said your favorite food is odor eaters, you'd be like, that's not a food. I mean, come on, man. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the the show runs the gamut from, yeah, all kinds of stuff. 
Um, and so I think as a listener, it would actually, and I'm not just saying this cause I wouldn't lie. I, I think you would find some, some stuff every episode where you're like, I, I really do think I'll check that out. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. And it says yep. here, uh, I'm looking at the accelerative thrust, uh, transistor.fm page okay and uh it says you also discuss current events and some politics <laughs> no not really no um i i no. in the sense that we're like there's a pandemic right yeah yeah the thing know, that right? you know takes over yeah. everything yeah and and the the extent of the political speech speech is uh probably something like it's pretty crazy out there huh yeah <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Just because so. the election happened while you were doing the show. Right. Yeah. I guess there's a new president, huh? Yeah, let's not talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that, that might be a stretch. <laughs> we just talk about really dumb things, mostly music and food. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Music and food, I guess. <laughs> yeah, those are dumb things, but they're also yeah. uh, necessary, I think. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> So I will uh I'll include a link to that podcast. Uh I'll include a link to the Angler page for your upcoming stages cool. video and also uh I guess I can link the Bandcamp for the album or sure. do you prefer something else? No, Bandcamp's just fine. Okay. If um if you're a local person and you want the cassette and you don't want to pay for shipping just Send me a message and we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, Eric uh, dropped it off. I don't off. think there's a... Yeah. He dropped the cassette off at my house personally. Uh, I didn't see yeah. him do it. We didn't talk to each other. <laughs> but I, I got That's a how little, it's been for everyone, yeah. <laughs> I got a personalized a note envelope. too. Yeah. Some so, people got notes. Most yeah. people got notes. Nice. From the, the first people that bought them. Because I really did appreciate people uh, getting the tape. And I didn't... I didn't expect it. I know people say that and they try to be all pious and meek and things <laughs> like that, but I really made it. And I just thought, um, my friends and family, I'll get them a copy and that's going to be the extent of it. You know, I just assumed that I would make it and no one would, no one outside of the people that have to like it would like it. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, that is the case a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> it's been somewhat exciting to have other people, even people I don't know, have ordered tapes. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so strange. Yeah. It's it's a trip. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen that often that something. No. And it that... hasn't happened often, but <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that was a pretty good conversation. Do you feel satisfied? Yeah. All right. For sure. It was nice catching up. It's been a while since we yeah. like spoke to each other since we've been, you know, locked down and not able to go outside or go anywhere. Yeah, I actually think um the Wombat show at Trumpet Blossom might have been the last last thing I did. It was one of the last things I did too. Yeah. That was like the I week before. I wish Will would have shown up. Oh, you didn't see him? <laughs> I don't I think he was either getting there right when I had to leave cuz he remember he kept yeah, pushing he was, it back. He was <laughs> really late, so we had to keep like stretching. It was like a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, it got to be like I don't even know, 10:30 or something. I was like, I think I have to go. Yeah. And now that I I don't drink, I um my nights are shorter 
much shorter. So it's like, <laughs> I used to, I would have been there till two in the morning, no matter what happened. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, eh, I think I'd rather just uh, go to bed. Yeah. So yeah. That was it's one very of, nice. <laughs> that was one of those nights where, you know, like you, you weren't expecting so many people to, to care about this tape and like order it. People you don't right. know. Like that Wombat show, we made money. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I had never. There were quite a few people there. Yeah. I never make money making this kind of music because oh, it's like no. bizarre. Like I'm making music that's not going to appeal to a mass audience. I know what oh. I'm do- getting into here. Right. But yeah. Anyone that expects to make money is just delusional. <laughs> I mean, especially now, not even especially now since the pandemic, but especially now. Especially a year ago. Streaming. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. There is no way to be a professional musician. I mean, even I can't imagine the level of success you would have to have to not need a side job. Right. Yeah. It would be like Taylor Swift level. (laughs) I mean, that's it. It's like all the success or you're with the rest of us. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this is a, do you know who John Oswald is? This is a no, good note to go so. out on. Uh, have you heard the the term plunder phonics? No, okay. I haven't. It's a very like sample heavy kind of music, like very like collage based. Okay. This guy, John Oswald, he's a composer from Canada. Uh-huh. He kind of coined the term and was making these pieces that were just like very short snippets of pop songs all mm-hmm. jumbled together. And he wrote an essay kind of explaining the philosophy behind this music he was creating and like mm-hmm. the the ethics of sampling other people's work to make your oh, own work. Yeah. and mm-hmm. a phrase he used uh in that essay which has always stuck with me for like 10 years since i read it mm-hmm. is uh the unblessed rest of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> and that's a, a, yeah. a name i'm gonna use for a band eventually the unblessed the unblessed rest of us oh i like it that's a nice name a little bit of a mouthful yeah. but i i've always loved that phrase <laughs> well we live in the time where a mouthful is fine <laughs> yeah, you know yeah it was like it was pretty much there was a pre godspeed you black emperor world and then <laughs> post yeah you know it was like the first time everyone heard that name they were like i don't is that a cult like come on man <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for everyone listening, I endorse I'll Remember You This Way. The the cassette version is the preferred <laughs> method <laughs> by my yeah. friend Eric Whitaker here. Um, thanks, Eric, for talking to me tonight. Oh, yeah. This has been a nice conversation. And uh, goodbye from the unblessed rest of us. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. to see not to see
Bye.